you for choosing iChurch Sermon Podcast. We invite you to get ready, get ready, get ready for what God has to say to you today. Woo! I'm so happy that we're here on Sunday. If you're happy, if you're not, please do not be hypocrite. If you're happy, I want you to shout out, I'm happy. Come on, look at your neighbor say, I'm happy, man. I'm happy, dude. I'm happy, girl. I'm happy, sis, whatever it is. Man, I'm so happy. My name is Osuero Rodriguez. Like I said before, I am the Young United Campus Leader, and it is the best job in the freaking world. I love what I do, and I love being able to worship God in such a cool house with such cool people. Woo! It's great. It's great. If you're visiting for the first time, we hope that you enjoy the experience. Um, as this week, I was watching some videos, writing YouTube. I usually try to find videos and everything, but I couldn't find much that went exactly with my sermon that I could bring to you guys. Everything that I would see was about this specific topic, about this specific uh, 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 moment or whatever it is that you want to call it. Um, and it just really got me thinking. It got my mind rolling. You know, when you see, you see something and you start thinking and thinking, I started thinking about this topic and thinking about um, this uh, phenomenon, I guess you could call it. Um, and this is it's, what I did is that I cut all the videos and I put them all together. Um, and I came up with a small video about what I thought were the best of what I was seeing in this uh, YouTube nation with stupid ads, um, right? How many of you hate the YouTube ads, right? Man, man, they stink, especially those that you cannot skip. Uh, Google, what's the curse of the Bambino? Y'all heard that one? Like, oh my gosh, again. But I want to show you guys, all right, I want to talk anymore. I want to show you guys, check out this. Do Do we got it? Do we have it? Yeah? Check out this video about this amazingness, all right? And just Are you going to miss your mom? No. No? <laughs> <laughs> oh, don't cry. Catch me. I'm politics with a designer belt. Please watch yourself, because I'm feeling myself. Four flags on the plate. Man, somebody get the rough. advice for you girls out there. If you have a boyfriend, dump him. Waste of your time. Come on, come on. If you enjoyed that video, come on. My favorite one, and I could not stop laughing, was the first one. And the little kid just laughs, and, and then he 
starts crying. But I, Josef, what the heck were you thinking about when you were watching this? I was thinking about how kids are such a blessing from God, man. For real. And this has nothing to do with the sermon. But I know that there's people in here that work in our children's department. And working in our children's department sometimes is rough. Sometimes it's difficult. But it's such a blessing from God. If you, how many of you that are in here have worked at some point with children's department? Man, from the bottom of our hearts, I want to thank you for what you do. Because it means a lot. It means a lot. Come on, come on. Y'all can do better than that. It means a lot. You guys are awesome. And I just wanted to give a shout out to our kids department. You guys rock. Um, but let's go, right? Baboon, thank you, Chino. But let's go straight into today's sermon. And let's start speaking about remove the veil. Say with me, remove the veil. Come on, say with me, remove the veil. In the first week, we broke down what happens in the whole atonement day. This is a, a series that God gave to Pastor, which has been so powerful about atonement day and what, what happened in that day. So the first week, we, we broke it down, every single thing that happens that day. And any of the sermons that I'm going to speak to you about, you can find them at ichurchoka.com. So please feel free. He's our web designer. Please feel free to go up and look it up, ichurchoka.com. You can hear all the messages. If you're a little lost today, um, they've really been powerful. Right, church? Right? They've really been amazing. It's been a blessing. Um, and then on the second week, we spoke about how um, you've been... You've been walking with your sin, and, and, and it's tiring when you walk with your sin, and that's what you present to people, and it's sometimes you just got to get that off your chest and say, God, I'm sorry, not because he needs it, but because we need it. On the third week, we spoke about how what you believe, no, that was the second week, I apologize. We spoke about how God's power is not independent to God's involvement. It comes with it. When God is present, and that was last week, and it was great. You guys saw it happen. When God is in the house, his power is with him. There's no way. There's no way that you can be with God. There's no way that you can be in the presence of God and, and, super, and not see supernatural things happen. It was incredible. And so today we go into our service, into our sermon today. And I want to start with this statement. The glory of God is the proof of his greatness. Listen to me. The glory of God is the, is his, is the proof of his greatness. There, you can't get glory if you did not do it. You can't get glory if you cannot do it. You cannot get that glory. But for our God, what can he not do? Our God is so powerful and so amazing that his glory surpasses everything. So I want to start by saying that the glory of God is the proof of his greatness. And so I want to start going directly into Exodus chapter 33. This has been the core and the base of this series. But before I go there, I want to make a short prayer so that God can take care of me and it be him speaking and not me. Father God, use me, God. Use my mouth, God. And, and I just want to be the messenger that delivers the message. I want you to be God and I want them to understand that you are the composer of this message. And everything that comes out of my mouth is not for my glory, it's for your glory. Help me, God, be in the spirit and not in the flesh and that everything that I may say comes directly from you. In the name of Jesus, I declare this. Amen. So Exodus chapter, chapter 33, verse 12, we start, and what's happening here, so you can get a little bit of background, Moses is in the tent, in the meeting tent, talking to God, and God had just said to Moses, I can't go with you because I will kill every single one of these uh, Israelites. They're driving me nuts. So if I go with you, I'm going to start killing people because they're, they, they, they suck. So I can't go with you. I'm going to need to step out, and I'm going to need to send my angels to go with you. And so Moses starts saying and having this dialogue with God, and the whole series has been based on that. Moses goes like, hey, 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 hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. You've been telling me to lead these people, but I'm a common man. I'm a common man, and if I go alone, I'm not going to make it anywhere. I need to make sure that you're with me. Do not leave me, God. And God says, okay, 
just chill, just, just rest. I'm going to go with you. You don't have to be worrying anymore. And Moses, after God had told him that he was going to go, Moses replies again, hey, but wait a minute. If you don't go with us, nothing's going to make us different. We're just going to be like everybody else. So you need to come with us. And God says, okay, I told you, I'm going to do everything that you ask. I'm going to do it. I'm going to go with you because I know you by name. And Moses says, now show me your glory. God says, I'm going to do what you ask. And the first thing that Moses asked is, show, now, show me your glory. And that's where we left off last week. So we go into the following verse, verse 19 and 20. And I want to put it up for you guys on both screens. You can look at it. And the Lord said, I will cause all my goodness. All my what? All my what? I will cause all my goodness to pass in front of you. And I will proclaim my name, the Lord, in your presence. I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy. And I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. This is God saying, listen, you want to see my glory? Okay. I'm going to do whatever I want and I'm going to do it in front of you so you can experience it. And then at the end it says, but he said, speaking about God, you cannot see my face for no one may see me and live. Look at how he ends. He said, I'm going to do it, but you can't see my face because no one can see me and no one can live. There's something that you, hold up, hold up. God is not going to show you the whole picture. That's not how he operates. God is not going to show you the whole picture because he knows the way you are. And if he shows you the whole picture, you no longer need to trust him. You no longer need to rely on him to give you strength. The way that God operates is that he'll only give you a piece. He won't show you the whole picture. And I remind me of this that we say in Puerto Rico. Bobby, esto no es King. Mm-mm. Papi, tú no King. All right, I want y'all to say to me, Papi, tú no King. I bet you that like two words out of there, you know them. You just don't know the way we're pronouncing it. This is how Puerto Ricans say burger. And this is how Puerto Ricans say king. Papi, bro, daddy. This is not, esto no es King, burger king. Mm-mm. That's something that the rappers in Puerto Rico came up with. What does it mean? All I know is that it means it's not that easy. Why Burger King? I don't know. Maybe it's easy for them. But you be playing basketball, you do something that was illegal, be like, Papi, esto no es King. Wendy, Wendy, Wendy. McDonald's. That's not how we say the, the, the restaurants. Kentucky, Bobby. Kentucky Fried Chicken. Wendy, Wendy. That one's pretty good, right? McDonald's. McDonald's. You like that, don't you, huh? Puerto Ricans, we got it. We got it down. Church of chicken. Church is chicken. Church of chicken, Bobby. Yeah, yeah. Bucam un biscuit. Biscuit. Trame el biscuit as it. Bring me that biscuit, all right? That's how Puerto Ricans roll. But what are you trying to say with this? It's not that easy. When God speaks, he's not going to tell you every single little detail. He's not going to give you the whole picture because you need to learn how to rely on him. And we see this time after time in the Bible requiring extreme obedience. But the one that I love the most is Genesis chapter 22, verse 2. God is speaking with Abraham and he says, Then God said to Abraham, take your son, your only son. So he had two sons? How many sons? He Take your son, your only son, whom you love. So he hated him. He what? Take your son, your only son whom you love, Isaac, and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on a mountain. I will show you. Speak about not giving me the whole picture. Hold on. How did we get here, Jesus? (laughs) 
I can't imagine Abraham. He didn't. In the Bible, that's why Abraham was so legit. Because he didn't say nothing. He just stood up and he went. But I can imagine in his mind, how the heck did we get here? Yesterday we had an awesome worship time. It was all good. And then this morning, I, like, hey, Abraham, what's up? I'm doing good, God. Take Isaac, the one I gave you, the only one, the one that you love. Yeah, isn't he cute? Yeah, go kill him. What the heck? How? When? Where? Why? Nothing. God's not going to give him the whole picture. He doesn't even get, tells him where. Yeah, he tells him, go to the region of Moriah. But then he tells him, he doesn't tell him the mountain. He doesn't tell him the location. He just tells him, I will show you. You just go. You just, God says it, and you just walk. Let me keep, let me finish the story. Let me finish the story for you. In Genesis chapter 22, verse 9, it goes like this. It says, when they reached the place, hold up, stop. When they reach what? When they reach what? The place. It doesn't say specifically where. It says when they reached the place. God gives a command to Abraham, and Abraham's responsibility is to get up and go under extreme obedience with no detail, not knowing the whole picture. But the Bible specifies when he reaches the place, what place do we, you and I, know that he was going to go to? The region of Moriah in the mountain. He's going what? To a mountain. So he says when you reach the place, when you reach the mountain, the rock, and I want to show you this, which I thought was super interesting. Then the Lord said, now this is to Moses in Exodus chapter 33. Then the Lord said, there is a place near me where you may stand on a, when you may stand on a what? Right here and then we see how Moses and Abraham are both in a rock, are both on a mountain. And they're living through a complicated moment in their lives, not knowing what will happen tomorrow. Moses is standing, not being 100% sure what's going to happen with the millions. Yes, that's right. Millions of people that he needs to lead through a desert in a complicated situation. Abraham is walking up a mountain knowing that when he gets there, he's going to have to kill and sacrifice his only son. And then in Genesis chapter 22... What happens? He reaches a place. You can keep reading that later. He reaches a place. He gets his kid. He puts him on an altar that he constructed. He ties him up. He goes as far as pulling out the knife. And when he pulls out the knife to obey God, because that's what God said, he's still not knowing why, still not knowing how, still not knowing what, still not knowing how he got to this position. He's obedient to God, pulls out the knife, and then the angel comes, and this is going to come back in a little bit. Then the angel comes, and the angel says, stop, 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 stop. And then in Genesis chapter 22, verse 13 and 14, Abraham looked up, and there he saw behind him a ram caught by its horns. He went over and took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called that place, the Lord will provide. The Lord will what? The Lord will what? Look at the person next to you, be like, who will provide? And to this day, it is said, on the mountain, where? On the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. Abraham was in a tough situation, not knowing what was going to happen. He's about to kill his son. The angel comes and stops him. And he says, on the mountain, on the rock, whenever you're in the place you need to be, the Lord will provide. The Lord will provide what? The Lord will provide. You tell me. The Lord will provide. The Lord will provide what? You tell me, because my God will provide whatever the crap you need to get out of your current situation, be successful, and achieve greatness. I said, my God is going to provide whatever you need when you're on the rock. He will provide especially what you need. 
The Lord could have just provided a sign and be like, okay, no, just go home. No. The Lord provided the bull so that in his current situation, he can exchange his son for the bull, kill the bull, and achieve greatness in 2,000, no more. 6,000 years afterwards, we're in the church speaking about what Abraham did. Moses is up in the, in the mountain, and God is about to provide. But wait a minute. We're still missing two things that are crucial to know. Exodus chapter 33, verse 22. I want to speak to you two things about the glory of God. First of all, it's going to be where? Where is it going to be? In the mountain. So God will provide. Look at what Exodus chapter 33, verse 22 says. When my glory passes by. Stop. When what? When my glory passes by, this tells us something that we as humans forget constantly, and that is that there is a window to see and experience the greatness and the glory of God. And if you miss that window, you will miss it. If you are not paying attention every day of your life and you miss the window, you will miss it. The Bible says that the Lord was passing by. There was a window. We see that uh, again in 2 Kings chapter 2, verse 9 and 10. My favorite two characters from the Bible, Elijah and Elisha. Those are my favorite. Those two are the best in my opinion. They're, they're amazing. Elijah is going to be taken up to heaven. And in verse 9 and 10, when they had crossed, Elijah tells Elisha, which was his mentor, tell me what I can do before I am taken from you. So he says, tell me what I can do before I am taken from you. Explain to me, what can I do for you? Because I'm going to be taken up to heaven and you're going to be staying here all alone. And Elisha replies, let me inherit a double portion of your spirit. Elisha is craving greatness. Elisha is craving, is craving the power of God behind him, supporting him in every single thing that he did. What Elijah was asking was big. And Elijah had so much power and has had experienced so much greatness under the presence of the Lord. Did you know that in the Bible, the first resurrection from the dead was, was Elijah? The kid had died, and he grabbed him and took him to the bed and laid on top of him. The Bible specifically records that Elijah had resurrected the little kid. And here's Elisha saying, I want double of what you got. I want to be able to do double. And because God never fails when you keep reading the Bible, Elijah resurrected two. Elijah resurrects one. And Elijah goes like, I want double portion of what you got. And then he resurrects too. But it didn't come easy. It says, when you keep reading, it says, you have asked a difficult thing. Elijah saying, what you want is big and it's tough. Yet, if you see me when I am taken from you, if you see me when I am taken from you, it will be yours. Otherwise, it will not. There is a window for greatness and experience the glory and the capacity of our God. There's a window in your life. It doesn't just come easy. It doesn't just come from you sitting in your chair and then all of a sudden you get the goosebumps, you get the chills. All of a sudden you see your mom healing. It needs from you to be always paying attention and be in the edge of your seat saying, I want, I want, I want to experience the glory of God. What is the preacher going to say? Because it's for me. What is the song going to say? Because it's for me. And it requires for you to be on the edge of your seat saying, I want it, 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 I want it. But it doesn't come easy. It has a window, and you can't miss that window. This specific moment. And most of the times, those moments are when we're losing in life. Most of the times, that window is when we're going through tough situations in life. Moses has a window, and to see him, and he has millions of people waiting for him. 
to know what's going to happen. Abraham was about to kill his son, but he needed to be paying attention to God. Because when the angel came, there was a window of mistake that could have happened. If Abraham wouldn't have been in the edge of his seat whenever he's about to kill his son, he wouldn't have, maybe he wouldn't have heard the, the angel. Have you ever thought about that? If Elijah would have been crying because his mentor and his dad is going to be taken up to heaven and he's going to be left all alone, he would have missed the window. In the midst of tough situations, you need to pay attention because there's one thing that would happen if you don't, and that is that you are going to be living a life of disappointment with yourself. If you don't pay attention to what God has for you, you will start living a life of disappointment. Disappointment is nothing more than the realization of wasted greatness. Disappointment is nothing more than the realization of wasted greatness. When other people are disappointed at you, it's not because they hate you. It's not because they think you suck. It's because they see you and they see greatness in you. But they see you throwing it away. They see you throwing it away. But the worst disappointment in life is the disappointment that you have on yourself. Hmm. It's, be, it's, because, it's because, because you did and you know you have realized that you're wasting your potential. You're wasting your greatness. You're wasting your youthfulness. And you live disappointed with yourself. And disappointment is such a dangerous thing. When you are disappointed over something, you devalue life. That's what disappointment does. That's the side effect of disappointment. You start devaluing life. You see Judas. He realized that he had wasted an opportunity of greatness, of becoming one of the 12 disciples that stick to Jesus at all times. But he sold Jesus. He wasted his greatness. And when he realized it, he was so disappointed in himself, so disappointed in himself, that he, that disappointment started devaluing his life. Because we start telling to ourselves that that opportunity will never come again. We missed the window. We missed it. And then you have to live the rest of your life asking yourself, will it ever come again? Will it ever come again? Am I going to get a second chance? The first thing is that there is a window for greatness, glory, and manifestation of God, and you always have to be on the edge of your seat. Let me tell you the second one. Let me tell you my second one. Exodus chapter 33, verse 22. We keep reading. When my glory passes by, there is going to be a short window. I will put you in a cleft. In a what? In the rock. And cover you with my hand until I have passed by. A cleft, I don't know if you know what it is. Maybe it's obvious for you, but to me it wasn't. A cleft in the original reads a crack. Reads a small hole in the rock. So he doesn't, he's not only asked to go up in the rock. The Bible says you're going to go up in the rock. And once you're in the rock, I'm going to put you in a cleft. I'm going to put you in a cleft inside the rock. In a tough, difficult spot, uncomfortable spot. And then I'm going to cover you with my hand. And I'm going to pass by. And when I, when I pass by, I'm going to open a window for you to be able to see my glory. The second thing that you need to understand when it comes to greatness is that greatness does not come with comfort, baby. Greatness does not come with comfort. Whoever told you that freaking lied to you. Greatness does not come with comfort in any way, shape, or form. Every great spot in life is uncomfortable. Every great spot in life is uncomfortable. I was speaking to the youth the other day. How many of you, how many of you came to student ministries on Friday? Was that good? Was that good? Did you guys feel? Man, I felt God. I was speaking to them, and I was speaking to them about this little girl, Susan. You guys remember Susan? 
There's this little girl that went to school, and she lived in an in a Islamic family, and she went to school. When she goes to school, this guy starts preaching the gospel to her. And in the school, she decides to accept Jesus as him Savior. He says, Jesus, and he calls out in the name of Jesus, I will accept you as my Savior. When she gets back home, they realize, his dad realized of what she had done. He threatened to kill her. He did a he, he took her with a knife, put a knife to his, to his to her throat and a knife to her brother's throat, and said, "If you don't deny Jesus soon, I'm gonna kill you and I'm gonna kill your brother." But Susan decided to stay still. She decided to stand firm in her spot, in her position. So the dad takes her, throws her in a room, in on top of a mattress, and says, "Until you until you deny Jesus, do not move from that mattress until you're ready to deny Jesus." Locks the door, goes away, and does not return to the room in three months. Three months. The only reason she survived is because her little brother would come and would dig under the door and would pass out waters. And sometimes he would get some, bana- some bananas and he would fry them and he would throw it under so that she could have some food and sugar in her body. Eventually, everybody started wondering where Susan was. So they come and they knock down the door. The police knocks down the door. When they open out, the, when they knock down the door, they see Susan sitting on that mattress. People start asking Susan, Susan, why didn't you move? Why didn't you leave? Why didn't you just escape? You had so many opportunities to escape. Your brother could have opened the door for you. And she said, I said yes to the Lord. So I, would, if I, I knew that if I moved, that meant that I was telling my dad and I was telling the whole world that I was denying Jesus. And when I made that decision, I was not going to deny, to deny Jesus. And now we see her. And we see greatness. But greatness was uncomfortable because it required three months on top of a mattress. Go through the whole Bible. Stephen. The first martyr ever. He stands in front of hundreds of people judging him and telling him that he doesn't know what he's doing. And he's asked to deny all of his actions and to deny his ministry. He decided not to deny him. And everybody jumped on top of him. The Bible says that they bit him. They started biting him and dragging him outside with their mouths. Threw them in a hole and started throwing him rocks until they killed him. Because greatness does not come with comfort. Moses has millions of people behind him and he's stuck in front of a sea with an army behind him. He's in an uncomfortable spot and in that uncomfortable spot, he has the opportunity to divide the sea and experience greatness. Jesus, 5,000 people starving to death listening to him. 5,000 men plus women and children. Uncomfortable. And he takes the bread, he he, he takes the fish and he multiplies it. Greatness came with uncomfort. Jesus goes up to Lazarus when he's dead and he has people claiming up to him. He has Mary and Martha pushing him and saying, why didn't you come earlier? Crying. Everybody's criticizing Jesus. What kind of friend? Jesus is uncomfortable. His anger or frustration or sadness makes him cry. And in the midst of him crying, he was able to achieve greatness in that uncomfortable spot and resurrect Lazarus. But my personal favorite, Jesus being beaten in the face, being spit, being whipped. Nails in his hands. Uncomfortable in that cross. But that is the only way that he could have gotten to greatness. Greatness comes with a price. Every greatness comes with a price. It is uncomfortable. It is uncomfortable. Man, you don't know. I I consider that being able to preach here is a great spot. It's a spot of greatness and it's a privilege. But you don't know how many times I've been so uncomfortable and ready to quit. You don't know how many people have criticized me for what I say, for what I do. You know, the most uncomfortable one ever in my life, I would say, the most weird one. I'm preaching, and I get done preaching, I get out of the altar, and this other pastor lady comes up to me and goes, like, excuse me, in front of everybody, she goes, excuse me, um, 
uh, I have to an advice for you, okay, Papito? She calls me Papito. I have an advice for you, Papito. Um, you're too sexual. Dude, that was so uncomfortable. Like, I'm standing in front of people, and she just called me sexual. And I, and I was like, excuse me, could you explain? And she was like, yeah, when you get on the altar, the way you move your hips is sensual. And it makes women want you. She straight up told me it made women want me. I was this close to be like, we need to pray for you. <laughs> you are old. <laughs> she straight up like, yeah, you move her sexual when you move your hips. I never believed her. Until I got married to Hannah after she saw me preaching. My moves were sexual, weren't they, huh? The way I walk, moving my hips. So uncomfortable, dude. So uncomfortable telling me that I was sexual. There's been times I've been in that altar that people have gotten up and debated me. Times I've been wanting to cry. Times that people that love me backstab me and criticize me. Times that I've been wanting to quit what I do because it's so uncomfortable and so hard to be able to stand here for 45 minutes and represent an all-powerful supernatural God without getting criticized. But I can do one of two things. I can get out of my uncomfortable spot and never achieve greatness. Or I can claim my spot and say, you can criticize me. You can criticize me. You can criticize me. But this is my spot. This is my greatness that comes from God. I will preach. I will sing. No matter what you say. No matter what you think. This is my spot. My spot. And it might be uncomfortable, but it will be great for Jesus and his name will be glorified forever and ever and ever. And until I stop breathing, God's name will be glorified. And Young United, God's name will be glorified in student ministry. God's name will be glorified in you. So stick in your spot. Stay in your spot. Come on, come on. Look at two people and tell them, stay in your spot. Stay in your spot. It's a spot of greatness. Greatness does not come with comfort. Every great spot in life is uncomfortable. And here's Moses. In between two rocks. Waiting for Jesus to pass by. Uncomfortable. Not being able to see. Nervous. Because there's a window for him to get to that point. That's why Jesus says in Matthew chapter 7 verse 13 and 14. Enter through the narrow gate. For the wide gate is comfortable, it's broad, but it's the road that leads to destruction, it's the road that leads to disappointment and to regret, but it's small, it's the gate, narrow, the road that leads to life, and only a couple people find it, because only a couple people are willing to go through the uncomfort, to the, only a couple people are willing to stick in their spot and claim what's theirs, claim what God wants to do in their life. There's a glory up there in heaven that comes from you staying in your spots. Mm. Mm. There's a glory that's meant for God and it's meant for you to stick in your spot so that that glory can be given to him. That glory can be lifted to him. But you need to stay in your spot. So my conclusion is that God, and Pastor was speaking about this, it blew my mind. In the atonement day, they had in, inside the ark, there was a, a couple things. But one of the things that they had is they had a jar. And it was a jar when they picked up bread that fell from sky. And it symbolized that God was going to provide exactly what they needed to be successful in their current situation. Exactly what they needed. Because God provides for your situation. But to get there, to get to God's provision, to get to the rock, you need to understand that it's going to be uncomfortable. You need to understand 
that it's going to be a window and you can miss it. It's going to be a window and you can miss it. Listen, man, this is my message for you today. Here's my message for you today. God created a cleft for you and a window for you to see his provision, his glory, and his power. God created a cleft for you, a spot for you. He opens a window for you every single day of your life in the most difficult times for you to be able to see that window, receive his provision, and be what he called you to be. But it's going to be uncomfortable. There's going to be a window. And you need to be paying attention right there where you are. Excuse me. Excuse me. Excuse me. That's the message that God gave me. You know, God speaks to me in weird ways. You think it's weird when I preach? It's super weird when I hear him. I'm preparing the message and I'm super pumped and I'm writing and I'm typing down. It's like five pages long. I'm quoting because I don't want to mess up what God is saying. I want to make sure I'm in the spirit and I'm putting everything. And I'm like, conclusion, 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 conclusion. Come on, Jesus. Come on. Give me something good. Give me a verse. Come on. Woo, woo, give me a song. And he says, excuse me. And I imagined it in a, there's no, no racism or nothing. I imagined it in a black person's voice. Excuse me. So I'm right. I'm like, God, God, imagine that. God, come on, come on, give me something good. Woof, woof, woof. This is good. This is good. This is good. Excuse me. I was like, what the crap? What is this? What do you mean, excuse me? Something deeper. Come on, give me a verse. Give me a song. Make me speak in tongues. Excuse me. God, what does that mean? What's that all about? What's that all about? There is a spot and a cleft for you. God is opening a window for you to see his provision in your life and give him glory and you experience greatness. What does that have to do with excuse me? That the devil is sitting in your spot. That the devil is sitting in your spot. So it is time for a church to rise up and look at the devil and say, excuse me, excuse me, excuse me. This is my spot. I'm going to be a great mom. I'm going to be a great dad. I'm going to be a great preacher. I'm going to be a great man. And all the greatness that I do will be for the glory and the manifestation of my God. Excuse me. Excuse me. This is my spot. My spot. And in that spot, in that spot, you look up to heaven and say, Father, open the heavens. Open the heavens. Let your kingdom move. Let your kingdom move. Let the heavens open over my spot. Give me my window to see your provision and become the man that you've been calling me to be and give you all the glory. So church, sing with me this song and say to your God, let the heavens open. Let the kingdom move. Let your kingdom move. Come on, right there we are. Let your hands.